Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Saints Happy Hour podcast. Uh, it's another free edition on a Friday. We gave you Catherine Terrell free. We, we're giving you... Uh, this one free, but you really should donate and become a patron so you can get all our cool stuff. Uh, Andrew, we are joined again by Saints diehard superfan, the number 62 tennis player in the world, Ryan Harrison. Ryan, thanks for giving us time today. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Happy to be back on the show. Uh, Andrew, he was going to talk about why Des Bryant and all his craziness was going to be a perfect, a great fit for the Saints, and, and culture was not going to matter. But we had some horrible news today. Um, tell the people what happened. If they're, I'm sure they're up on it. But yeah. So well, breaking news: Des Bryant, and, and in fact, I, I wasn't paying close attention to Twitter, and I didn't even realize this until Ryan texted me. <laughs> but but uh, Des Bryant looks like he's out for the year, most likely. Last play at practice. Looks like he tore his Achilles tendon. Um, obviously, that's uh, that's huge for not really this week so much. I mean, the Saints went seven and one without him, but more, more just the outlook of what's to come. And obviously, with Cam Meredith being sidelined for the year, um, back to the drawing board in terms of what the Saints do uh, to fill in his shoes. And so now there's talk of Brandon Marshall. But um, you know, I, I talked to Ryan some about this, and I thought I asked him to come on the show because I thought he had a really insightful and uh, on-point perspective on Des Bryant, even though he can be crazy and he can be a little uh, of a question mark in terms of adding him to a locker room. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of these points still apply if the Saints go ahead and sign Brandon Marshall. Um, So, Ryan, if you could, would you kind of explain to Saints fans your perspective on bringing a guy of that stature on a one-year deal that has a lot of notoriety and what that means for the Saints locker room. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, my, my take on it is is that when you have great leadership and a great foundation as an organization, you want a guy who's that competitive. There is no guys in any sports that have ever been successful that don't have this inward um, inner confidence in themselves. And some guys with bigger personalities and more fiery guys, they are more outspoken about the negative sides when they don't feel like they're getting the ball or when they don't feel like they're being in a position to uh, to succeed, and with Des Bryant in particular, we've seen what's going on in Dallas now that he's gone. It's uh, it's not been good. So I feel like a lot of his uh, maybe voices for concern were uh, were valid after seeing how how it's gone since then. Um, I think that now, as a Saints fan, when you're looking at a guy like that, you go, we have a great a great quarterback, one of the greatest of all time. We have a legendary coach. We have a great foundation from an organization and there's weapons all around the offense. And, and when you're, when you're Des Bryant and you're coming into this situation, you're just in the perfect spot to succeed because you're, you spent your whole career with one playoff win being a dominant force in the NFL. You've walked into a contending team 
and you've done it in a situation where you've you've gone on and and you're playing with the greatest quarterback in in my opinion one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time so this is for him if you're if you come into that situation and you mess that up well nobody's going to really have any more question marks on your character. You just have a bad character at that point. But in my opinion, he doesn't. In my opinion, he's a great guy who has a fiery temper and a fiery passion for the game and at times has let it get get the best of him and, and shown passion on the sideline, but only when the team was not doing well. Now, to get yourself in a position to succeed, you have to be able to look at, at what you can bring to a team, right? A guy like Brandon Marshall they're going to be coming in and they're going to be told straight up, just like Des probably was. I wasn't there, so I can't say for certain, but I, I bet a lot of money on it, that these guys are very understanding of their role, very understanding of their role behind Michael Thomas, behind Alvin Kamara, and all these weapons that we have in the offense. Um, when you have that foundation that we have, you've seen the Patriots do this for years, where they've brought in guys like Josh Gordon, like Randy Moss when he had a down year in, in uh, Minnesota and then came over and was and was dominant with Tom Brady. Uh, even a guy, uh, you know, very sad story, but Aaron Hernandez, who obviously had character issues and was very successful there for a long time. When you have a foundation like organizations like the Saints and the Patriots have, um, as a player, you can't want more than to be in a position like that. So that that's my take on it and, and why I thought it would have been a great fit. Yeah, and also, too, here's the thing. You look at teams that have had issues in locker rooms, and not just from wide receivers or skill guys, right? Like Miami with Richie Incognito, where he was taking the, the offensive line to strip clubs and he was bullying another guy. Like, the Saints are not going to let that happen. Part of it's Sean Payton, but part of it's Drew Brees. Like, Drew Brees is not going to let Des Bryant come in here and bitch and complain and foul up his offense. Like, it's just not going to happen, right? So either you get in line or you get out. And I think the Saints have a foundation with Sean Payton, but also it's just the players. Like, they're just not going to – the Saints have leaders on their team that just aren't going to put up with nonsense. And when it happens with other teams, guys, I feel like – Andrew and Ryan, it happens because there's like a void of leadership and there's no real player leaders on the team. So then the knuckleheads and the malcontents, they fill that vacuum for leadership. For sure. And and the, the complaints come not just whenever you're not getting the ball, but they also come when the team's not successful, right? It's really hard if you're Des Bryant to come into this situation, have three catches for 33 yards, but the Saints scored 38 points and be like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, the, the, the offense is clicking. So um, in this position, I, I actually loved it. I thought that Des, and, and, it, and it's terrible news today, but I thought he was betting on himself. I thought that he was looking at the Saints as a future organization that could potentially want to re-sign him in a situation where they didn't have a clear number two and a guy to compliment Michael Thomas. And I think that in a position that he was in, he was ready to come in and prove that his value was the same, if not more, than it was in recent years with an all-time great quarterback. And, and even being the number two on the team, he was willing to bet that with the targets he got, the red zone looks he got, he was going to show that he was a dominant force. And I think that we have that ability right now. I think that we can bring in guys who maybe not – I mean, maybe not – Brandon Marshall, it might be Brandon Marshall. I've heard it would be, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. But you can bring in guys who are of that sort of uh, nature or that sort of, uh, I guess, ego or, or, uh, or attitude, and you can, you can put those guys in, in, in the Saints and say, listen, 
you want a shot, you want a shot one more time to show people that you got, you're not getting a better opportunity than this. And so if I'm a Brandon Marshall or Des Bryant, well, you're, you're getting your, your shot. So you can't, you can't mess that up. Hey, Ryan, I'm, I'm reading a tweet right now. Um, and I want to share this with you and get your perspective on it. Um, it's from Adam Schefter. And he says he coached, he, he texted with an NFL coach and the NFL coach texted to him back. If that's the case, I'm not shocked. He's been out that long. Uh, does not matter what you do while away from real football. You can't duplicate it. So you're a professional athlete, um, you know, and I think some football fans may not appreciate, some people that listen to this podcast may not appreciate how physical pro tennis is, but, uh, you know, I, I would say the demands on, on your body are, <laughs> or, or, you know, I, I would put them up almost against any sport that's, that's non-contact. Uh, certainly football, the physicality is on a different level, but at the same time, being a professional athlete, I mean, you've had times, whether it be due to injury or off-season or whatever, where you've been away from the sport for a while, and then you come back, your first tournament back or whatever, you're trying to reinsert yourself into playing that way again. I'm curious if you can kind of tell us, as a professional athlete, that, does it surprise you that a guy would get injured after being away from football for this long? And um, is it hard to kind of keep yourself physically primed if you're not going through those repetitions in real time in real matches and real in real getting real hits and getting real reps for sure um great question because uh you know for a lot of you guys who have played sports in college or who have played uh you know at, at competitive any point in time really it doesn't matter if it was high school or fun and pickup games or whatever it is everyone knows that soreness that you get when you haven't done something in a while uh, and that's when your muscles are the most susceptible and your ligaments are the most susceptible to be torn. Whenever you're, you're not in that durable, we've been taking a consistent uh, amount of treatment, a, a consistent amount of work that, that shows that we're ready for whatever, you know, entails in, in a practice. And, um, you know, this is a best guess scenario because nobody can truly know what Des was doing in the off season, right? It, or in his, his, his time off really. Um, but the fact that he showed up a couple pounds overweight leads you to think that he wasn't quite in as good a condition as they wanted him to be in. So at this point, we're just speculating. It, it could be bad luck, but in my opinion, there's a very high likelihood that Des was a little bit out of shape, but still a very gifted and talented guy and, and excited. He's probably coming into practice the last two days uh, just you know, with a fire under his butt, ready to, ready to show what he's got to do. And um, looking to try to play Sunday, right? I mean, that's been the last question for the last 48 hours is uh, what's he going to play Sunday? And in my opinion, you got a guy who's probably trying to prove he's ready to go because he's itching to get back on the field, especially in this situation. And uh, I would guess that he probably did a little bit too much, a little bit too soon. Um, I'm currently in my off season for tennis right now. I haven't hit a ball in a couple of weeks. Uh, if I go out there and if I try to make the Australian Open in three days, well, I'm going to put myself in a very high-risk situation. Um, so I think that, you know, maybe it could have been a situation where uh, I won't fault any, anybody other than just bad luck, but he's probably trying to prove himself. The Saints are probably excited to get him there. And with Cameron Meredith going on IR, it's probably a situation where they needed him to be ready as soon as possible. Yeah, and the thing is, elite athletes, like – it's hard to, to not push yourself, right? Especially like you said, Des, he's probably super excited. He's waited for the perfect opportunity. He, he didn't sign with just any team. He's found it with, you know, and he's probably like 
jazzed and, and pumped to be at practice because he hadn't, he hadn't practiced with a team all year, right? He's probably excited to be out there. And, you know, I mean, it, bad luck or whatever, it's just it's hard for an, it's hard for an athlete when they're not excited to, to say, hey, no, 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 just dial it back, Des, on a Friday. But, you know, it happens. Yeah. For sure. Well, and, uh, go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Well, the, I, I was gonna change subjects. I was gonna pivot here and ask you something different, Ryan. So if you have another, if you have no, something I was else just to say on say topic. that you know when, when you all, all these great athletes we're talking about, whether it's Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Des Bryant, whoever it is, um, there's just this competitiveness, whether or not you're playing football or whether or not you're at home. So. It is hard to dial that back. Whenever you're in a situation, if I go play pickup basketball with my friends, it's hard to dial it back. You know, it's uh, it's it's something that's kind of <laughs> in you that that's that's really uh, it's tough to turn off, really. Yeah, and when you're 38 years old, and and that's still the case, um, I speaking from experience, it, it only gets worse. Um, so, hey, hey, Ryan. Um, so I know you were. Um, you were on the Saints sidelines last weekend, and you got to experience up close and personal uh, the Rams victory, which was an incredible game, and you, you picked the right one to go to. Um, curious if you have anything to share about the experience and if you were able to kind of take a sneak peek at anything on the sidelines that was interesting that you would want to share. Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible experience. I hadn't been back to the Superdome in a long time, and I was really uh, – Really excited to be able to make it work in a game that was of that magnitude. Uh, incredible experience overall, but uh, the Dome, I mean, for those of you who haven't been there, it is an incredible experience. I mean, from a fan, first of all, whenever you're there and everybody's bleeding the Saints just like you are and you get to experience that, especially uh, while we're lucky enough to have the, the sort of uh, legend and Drew Brees and, and our team on down from there, that we have them still going for us and playing well. And then from there, you see how big of a home field advantage that we have because of the passion that everybody has. I mean, everyone talks about the Dome. I mean, they talk about this is our house. This is a, this is a huge advantage. I mean, you hear the way that the Saints fans are on third down in the first quarter. It's the same way as a two-minute drive trying to win the game. I mean, everybody is rowdy. Everybody knows football. And they're all trying to do their part and have an impact. And, uh, you know, in incredible – Incredible vibe in that stadium, and uh, I, I just look forward to us having home field because after it experiences it, we're going to be a tough team to beat there. Yeah, that's, a, that's good because, you know, I, I've been to the Carolina Panthers Stadium. I've been to Re the Redskins Stadium. I've been to a, a, few red, a, a few NFL stadiums other than New Orleans. We just had a podcast with a beat reporter for the Bengals who at 5-3 and three just told us that Open they had 40,000 fans. Yeah, 40,000 fans in their stadium for their last game at, at five and three. So, you know, I, I just think it, I, as New Orleans Saints fans, that's all we know. We don't maybe have an appreciation for what other stadiums are like. And you hear the Falcons and the Cowboys complain about how their stadiums are so electric and there's so much going on and they're so fun that a lot of times these teams complain that at halftime, it, it takes a while for the fans to get back to their seats because they want to go around the concourse well, and see things. You know, New Orleans is one of guys. New Orleans is one of the last stadiums that, yeah, they did a bunch of great renovations post Katrina, and they, they, you know, they they got the FEMA money, and it's a it's a modern stadium, it's a good stadium. But New Orleans is one of the, really the last stadiums that isn't. 
doesn't have seat license and doesn't have a ton of corporate tickets. And yes, the ticket prices are, are high and they're starting to price out some people. But the Saints fan base is still rowdy, middle-class, regular fans. And they don't have many places like that in the NFL left. Like you said, in Atlanta, it's corporate, it's boxes, it's seat licenses. The Saints, it's kind of, the Saints Superdome still kind of has that college, rowdy, it might get crazy up in here vibe that I don't think too many NFL stadiums have left. You know, I think I can count the other ones probably on one hand that are just as yeah. rowdy as the Dome. For sure, for sure. And seeing it seeing it up close, you can, you can tell that because uh, the day before I was at the Saints game, I was at the LSU game. And the, uh, you know, like you said, that sort of passion, it, it's hard to recreate that college football passion because everyone who is an alumni they truly feel like they're part of the team because they went to the school. And that's the thing that Saints fans have that, that's the most noticeable is that it, it feels like everybody – it's not fair weather. Everybody bleeds it like on Sunday the way that you would if you were an alumni at a school. And that's part, uh, of, the, that's, part of the culture. Yeah, that's what makes it special. Yeah. Well, Ryan, Ryan thanks, thanks for doing this, man. Um, real quick uh, – uh, so you're 62 in the world. Uh, I don't know how many people listening to this know this, but uh, you won the French Open in doubles, which was, uh, you know, one of the biggest titles of your career. You won your first ATP title in Memphis last year. Uh, you made a couple finals this year. So uh, you're 62 in the world. Real quick for, for the tennis fans out there, assess where you're at right now and kind of your goals moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a really strong year. I, I was kind of on the way to accomplishing what I – what I'd set out for this year, which I wanted to be in the top 30. Um, you know, I came into the U S open ranked 40 and or 40 and 42 or so. And then, uh, unfortunately I sprained a vertebrae in my back right after the U S open. So I didn't get to play, uh, much, much at all after the open. I tried to play one event, but, uh, with the way that our system works, um, you know, that means that I have a lot of opportunity to move up next year. Um, you know, the next step for me is to try and, uh, start, uh, uh, turning the tide in some of these matches where I, I've played very close and, and uh, competitive matches against top players. But, you know, it's at that point where I've, I've felt the, the finish line and, and I've felt myself right there. And so next year, I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to, to get through that. And then from there, you know, confidence builds. It's, it's like anything. Once you accomplish something, uh, you know, you can get it done and then and then you're able to recreate it. Ryan, thanks for joining us. We'll, we will we will have you back on for the Saints playoff playoffs when they're deep in the playoffs and you, my friend, are deep in the Australian Open. How about it? I like it. Let's do it, guys. All right, thanks, thank Ryan. You. Have a good one. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.